It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to yet another sparking edition of Plank of the Week. This is the uh, the show which has become an absolute popular popularity contest in reverse for the sort of stupid people that do stupid things uh, on any given week. And at the moment, we are right in the middle of a very stupid period of uh, uh, history, I think. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Emily Carver today and Steve N. Allen uh, to help us try and pick the top ten planks of this week. A very good afternoon to both of you. Good afternoon. Now, now, I mean, it's been very difficult this week, as I say, every single week. Um, <laughs> uh, I've also explained to people that we're now doing this as a podcast, partly because we haven't got the TV studio access that we used to have downstairs here at News UK, so we have to do it all just as an audio podcast. But people are still uh, downloading it and liking it quite a lot. But it has been an incredible kind of uh, period of time for people doing idiotic things. I'm going to come to you, uh, Emily, first of all, for your first nomination. Um, so, yeah, as you say, it's been a bit of a tricky week to uh, choose. Um, but I think, for me, Robert Pesson has got to be uh, close to the top this week. He's my first plank, um, particularly for his absolutely pathetic conduct this week, really, and his dogged insistence on uh, trying to get one over on the government and even worse, on, uh, on the actual scientific and medical experts. He seems to think that he knows, he knows better than them. You'd think that during, during a during a public health crisis like this, when the government is, you know, having to react quickly to new scientific advice, political journalists might might refrain from their usual gotcha-style journalism. But, but no, this week, Peston has probably been exposed as one of the worst in the business. You know, I feel sorry for the experts up there on the stage every day having filled questions from the likes of him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... I mean I think, I think they've all been very sort of um, forgiving as well. I saw Dominic Raab, uh, when he started answering questions yesterday, gave him a bit of a death stare, because uh, I think Dominic Raab doesn't have the patience that a lot of the others have. But it's like this kind of unholy trinity of people who ask the same question nearly every day. Beth Rigby, Robert Peston and Laura Kunzberg, and they always get to, to, to go first. And all they seem to want to know, Emily, is whether or not um, the government should have done something else that they didn't do two months ago. Yeah, no, and instead of reporting and, you know, asking actually poignant questions or pertinent questions that are actually in the public interest, you know, they, they just continue to try and, like, outsmart the experts. Um, we've seen it, like, every press conference, as you say. Um, you know, his interview with the, um, who is it, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Jonathan Van Tam, was quite extraordinary, I think. You know, it's clear he was trying to catch the medical officer out based on probably information that he'd crammed up on, you know, a couple minutes earlier. And, you know, he continues to double down when he's been proven wrong. Um, you know, he accused the medical officer of being ferocious. I mean, he's a complete plank this week. 
Yeah. You know, what expertise does he have? You know, he has a PPE degree from Oxford. And he even went to a university in Brussels. I mean, what, are, what is his expertise to talk about science in this way and to try and contradict, contradict the advice of uh, the experts? So it's, yeah, he's been an absolute plank this week, I must say. And it's, it's the mainstream media as a whole. I think that's a very, very strong start, I have to say, Emily. Um, Steve, I'm sure you'd agree that listening to these characters uh, is starting to become incredibly tedious. I know my listeners at Talk Radio are starting to get very fed up with them as well. I'm trying to enjoy it as the entertaining sport that it is, because it's, it's amazing. There are experts, people who've dedicated decades of their life doing research and study. And there's the journalists who've Googled something ready for their <laughs> long read for whichever newspaper they work for. And then they, they ask questions, which is their job. But in such a patronizing way, like, surely it's this. You can't use the word surely. You're the idiot out of this interaction. I, I, I do feel sorry for the journalists because they've spent their time working and learning their skills with... Um, uh, politicians who were trying to sneak a lie past. And no one's worked out yet. The experts don't need to try and lie to you. They're on there to tell you what you don't know, and they know it. So you're never going to catch them out in a lie. If you think you've got an expert in a lie, you've probably not understood the detailed science. So I love watching it because they're kind of looking foolish at the end of each each time they get to ask questions. And for me, I'm just sat there with whatever popcorn supplies I still have, <laughs> enjoying every moment of it. I must admit, I did like it better at the weekend when none of those three that I just mentioned were actually there. Because, of course, they don't work at the weekends because they retire, presumably, <laughs> uh, to their family mansion somewhere, uh, normally in the, in the heart of West London, uh, which because they're not allowed to go to the country mansion anymore. Um, but, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, that ordinary people have to work whenever they can work. These guys work a very strict rotor uh, and they do exactly as they like and nobody gets to question them at all <laughs> steve let me let me have your first nomination i'm gonna go for it's more than one person i'm afraid it's uh, sunbathers absolutely all of them <laughs> if i were on this show on a different week even if we weren't under this uh, lockdown i think i could still have a good crack at sunbathers anyway have a good rant about them Sunbathing in public spaces, I don't want to see pasty white bodies strewn everywhere. At first glance, it looks like Casper's friends and family has been massacred. <laughs> but it's even worse under a lockdown. Just don't sunbathe. I mean, I know there's the debate, is this an infringement of our civil liberties? And even if it is, it's only sunbathing. Stop, just stop doing it. Like, experts have come up with advice to try and save people's lives. They say, don't sunbathe. And other people then say, but I want to sunbathe. Yeah, well, I want to have a career as opposed to spend all my time completing Netflix. But that's not happening right, right now. So I don't know why people care about being bronzed. No one's going to see you. You're in a lockdown. I thought maybe this, like, 2020 would be the one year when people thought, do you know what? I'll give my skin a year off. I'll stop <laughs> burning away all the elastin in my body and heading towards the inevitable looking like a handbag in a charity shop. I'll take a rest. But no, apparently people love it. So if their actions mean that we lose the right to daily exercise, I will be furious. Yes. Now, I've not exercised on a daily basis, but I felt like it's my choice. And if they take it away from me, they're going to be winding me right up. So I'm putting them all down as potential planks. I think you're absolutely right, because at the end of the day, you know, the answer to your original question, you know, is this an incredible invasion of my personal liberty? The answer is no, it's not. Because basically, <laughs> I had this conversation with Peter Hitchens the other day who thinks that we're turning into a police state, right? And I said, look, they're allowing you to go out Whenever you want to go out, you're just supposed to uh, use a bit of common sense and not go out all the time. And when you do go out, just go out for about an hour and then go back in. You know, that's hardly, you know, <laughs> under house arrest in the middle of Baghdad, is it? Yeah, I, and I'd, I'd take it a step further. I'd say the solution is snipers, 
because that way no one will lie down flat motionless and making themselves a bigger target. They'd stand up and move quickly, i.e. running, which would be sticking to the guidelines. Yes, absolutely right. It is incredible how stupid some people can be, but hopefully uh, it won't come to that. We shall see. My first one, talking of people who uh, are not, not very big targets and who move rather quickly, uh, is Catherine Calderwood. She, of course, is the uh, former uh, chief medical officer of uh, Scotland, uh, who was put in the job supposedly because she's an incredibly intelligent person and has got great medical skills. However, that obviously doesn't uh, imbue her with any common sense whatsoever because not only did she travel to her second home in Fife, which is about 45 miles away from where she was in Edinburgh, she took pictures of herself clapping the NHS in Edinburgh on Thursday night uh, and then took more pictures of herself in Fife uh, out walking with her entire family, who she'd also taken with her, um, to prove that she was in two different places when she was not supposed to be. And then she then sort of admits, by the way, oh, I did it last week as well. So she did it twice against her own advice. Now, she's the the, the, the sort of uh, witty figure in Scotland. So she's the one who's appearing on TV screen saying, your coronavirus can affect anybody. Uh, anybody can be <laughs> infected. So please stay home. And, of course, the thing that even made it even more bizarre was that she appears at the weekend on a press conference with Nicola Sturgeon. And Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, starts defending her. And I'm watching it going, this can't be happening. Surely she's going to have to resign. Surely she's going to have to step down. And sure enough, by the end of the day, she had stepped down. But it does make you wonder, does it not, Emily, um, where these people's kind of common sense is and what they think they can get away with. I know, you know, of course, you know, anyone can make a mistake, but... Um... What she doesn't, re- what she did, doesn't really fall into that category, does it? She knew the rules. She helped draw them up, and she deliberately broke them. How can we expect the public to follow the advice if she can't even do it herself? But you know, I think it's the hypocrisy that really drives us mad. You know, we despise hypocrites, don't we? Even more than if she was just like doing a bad thing without telling everyone else not to do it. It just really really winds me up, total prankish behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Steve, I mean, Nicola Sturgeon basically sort of tried to defend her by saying, well, we all make mistakes and we will make mistakes. And, and, you know, unfortunately, that's just the way things are. Well, I'm afraid that's not just the way things are when you're telling people, and I mean this seriously, for, for people who can't go and see their, their loved ones, who can't go and see their children or their parents or even go to the funeral of somebody that they know because of the fact that the, the, the Scottish government and the British government tell them not to go anywhere. And here's the person telling you to do it, doing it. Yeah, I mean, a little bit as well at the end of the statement where she said, she almost made out like, my punishment will be to focus on my work. What a great way to try and not have to resign. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I, I have some creativity about it. At least if you're going to try and hang on to your job, hang on to your job by coming up with, that was my evil twin type's excuse to it. <laughs> you know, we've all seen Knight Rider. All you've got to do is have, just wear a beard and pretend you're your own evil twin. And everyone should have seen this coming because it always happens. Always in the news, there's a story about someone on the way to a conference and something ironic happens, like you're on your way to a crime conference, your car gets nicked, or you get lost on the way to a sat-nav display or something like that. This is why, as a stand-up comedian, I don't take gigs if they come in and you're offered like a a corporate gig for an STI charity. Not worth (laughs) risking the irony. They should have seen it coming. I think one of my favourites of those was the Chris Grayling one when he was organised the rail summit uh, and he couldn't get to it because they cancelled the train. Which was, you know, one of those uh, brilliant ones. Emily, what's your uh, what's your next nomination? Um, so my next one is gonna be gonna have to be Kevin Maguire. Mm. He's a well-known political commentator. I believe he's the associate editor of the Mirror. Yes. Um, and really, he's my nomination just for his unremittent nastiness. 
and his total one-eyed view on anything that seems to happen or comes up in the news. You know, his timing is quite extraordinary with his rants and rages. You know, after the Queen's address to the nation on Sunday night, what did he do? He didn't. Pa- he couldn't pass up the opportunity to, you know, stick the boot in to both the Queen and the government. You know, he tweeted he, he'd have more respect for the Queen if she came out and condemned the government's failures. I mean, that's ridiculous on two counts, isn't it, really? Firstly, it's not the monarch's place to get involved in politics. I doubt Kevin would, would appreciate her doing so, really. And, you know, secondly, for the vast majority of people, the government's handling the crisis pretty damn well. And, you know, spitting venom at the Queen, who is, let's remember, a 94-year-old woman in isolation, who's clearly trying to reassure, reassure the nation at this, this moment of anxiety. I just think it's typically distasteful and unnecessary, and it's just... Yeah, it's just nastiness, and I don't see why he feels the need to do it all the time. No, I really don't understand it. I mean, I know Kevin quite well, um, and he's not, on the face of it, a particularly nasty individual, but he has this kind of inability to stop himself from saying things like that. He made the list last week, actually, um, Steve. Oh, did he? Yeah, but that's fine, because, I mean, there are plenty of people who make the list every week. I mean, Steve Khan is a regular on this list. He's, he may not make it this week, but, you know, uh, Kevin made it last week, because he's also been really vitriolic about Boris Johnson. I mean, when even when you're even out vitrioling Jeremy Corbyn, Steve, uh, about the opposition, I think you're in a bad place, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, time and a place, and, and read the room, as we say in the word of the world of stand-up. Yeah. Like, of all the people to try and attack, at the end of a moment where, like, I'm no monarchist, if, if we didn't have a royal family, I would not be voting to invent one. And I love the argument saying they bring in so much money. I mean, France do all right with how much they get visiting the palaces and look what they did to this. But at the moment when a <laughs> thing happens on TV that really did bring people together. I loved it. I thought she'd set herself up to end on a song of We'll Meet Again. Shame that didn't happen. But it mm. was a moment that, that meant something to people, and we need that. It's, there are so many days that are more difficult than we're probably letting on. And you see it on social media. People have a little bit of a challenge, and people, people rally around and say, hang in there, this is tough for all of us. That's, well, that's the, right the thing, thing you know. It's, it's fine if you're a Republican. There's no problem in that. But why not just be quiet at this yeah. moment? You know, people are anxious. The vast majority of people probably did appreciate that address, probably did find it, you know, reassuring. And, you know, it's just time to shut up sometimes, I think. There were plenty of people who said uh, quite openly, I am a Republican, but actually that was a really brilliant speech because it was. I don't think anybody, apart from the coldest-hearted person and the most small-minded mm-hmm. individual, could, could find fault with it. Steve, who's your, uh, who's your second nominee? I'm going to go for Jacinda Ardern. Ah. Now, normally big fan because you know I, I think i'm the token lefty brought in here for balance <laughs> and she's right up my street and it's a great time to be a lefty because we're nationalizing corporations we're handing out money to people regardless of if they need it it's like a dream come true for many of us but i think jacinda went too far she was asked about the easter bunny and tooth fairy and she said she said kids don't worry they've been given essential worker status and I face palm. I didn't. You know, I had such a face. Mate. But I, I would have face palmed if I was allowed anywhere near my own face. And firstly, Tooth Fairy, not going to be working. There's no Easter bunny. So no chocolate to be rotting kids' teeth out. So let's all just stay at home and not spread stuff. I mean, this is the problem. Both the Easter bunny and the Tooth Fairy, very likely to be spreading contagion. Um, the Easter bunny, technically a food delivery, but... Not if you're going to hide it. You know, if Deliveroo brought your order around and tucked it away behind the shed where you might not ever <laughs> spot it, you'd have them struck off. And, and I also, I did get a bit annoyed about the, the sense of granting privilege to these mythical beasts. They have powers beyond ours. 
don't upset the tooth fairy because next thing you know, you know, they can sneak in and out your house. You'll wake up mainly gum with about 50 quid under your pillow. Yes. So I just think she, she took it a step too far. Yeah, I mean, you might find that they decide to start removing your teeth uh, while they're still in your mouth as opposed to actually one ones that you put under the pillow. But surely if they were out and about, they'd be arrested by the Derbyshire police who would have spotted them with one of their drones <laughs> uh, because, of course, you're not supposed to do anything like that. My, uh, my second nomination, I, I had to sort of... Um, have a bit of a sort of tug of war over because it was definitely going to be something to do with the Labour Party, but I couldn't quite work out whether it should be the website crashing uh, literally as soon as Keir Starmer was uh, given finally uh, the, the, the reins of power because after about 68 years, they've now finally replaced Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> and put somebody else in charge. I mean, probably the longest and most boring contest of all time. Um, Sir Keir Starmer, of course, a white, middle-class, middle-aged uh, barrister, QC, um, who used to be the Director of Public Prosecutions, representing the party, uh, which basically can't define what a woman is and somehow hasn't yet still, Emily, been able to, uh, to, to basically find a woman who's intelligent enough or clever enough to lead the party. It's extraordinary. Isn't it? I know it's so funny. They go on with their identity politics, saying we need a woman this time, and they still can't do it. But do you know what's really annoyed me this week is that I've had I've had texts from my lefty friends being like, "Oh, I like Keir. He's going to be great. He's going to be fantastic." And I have to remind remind them that he was the architect of this disastrous Brexit policy, and that he's uh, I don't think he's the right person to bring back the uh, the red wall. Well, exactly right. I mean, Steve, he's also appointed Angela Rayner. I think it's going to end up being Keir Starmer, actually, because he's appointed Angela Rayner, who is, as we were describing earlier, the absolute antithesis of an expert in anything. Uh, he's also appointed David Lammy, the man who thinks that people who voted for Brexit are Nazis, as the Justice Minister, the Shadow Justice Minister. He's also brought uh, David Miliband, uh, sorry, Ed Miliband back from the dead. I don't know why he's done that, uh, to put him in charge of uh, business, I think it is. It's an extraordinary series of appointments that he's made, um, and all at the same time pretending that he's bringing the party together when nobody cares what the party does because they're not going to be anywhere near power for at least four years. Well, I think Ed Miliband's been brought back because he had a successful podcast, so watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. It could be you get a tap on the shoulder. Um, yeah, I, mean, I almost feel sorry for whoever won this, because what a time. It's like being in the Big Brother house and then coming out being told you've won it, and it turns out no one's there to say well done to you because no one's paying attention because it turns out there's a disease going around. <laughs> so it's the worst time to do anything of any importance. Um, yeah, my, my heart goes out. It's not often my heart goes out to anyone with Sir in their name, but I think this time it does. Absolutely. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Emily, tell us about your uh, your final nomination. So, um, I don't think footballers have um, exactly covered themselves in glory this week, or during this uh, pandemic anyway, but I think my final plank is going to have to be Manchester City and England footballer Kyle Walker. Yes. 
And what's he done? He's he decided to ignore the coronavirus lockdown um, advice and host a two thousand pound sex party at his flat, <laughs> hiring in two sex workers and bringing a friend. So you know, usually I'd have a I'd take a rather libertarian approach to this and say you know live and let live, live and let live. But you know. This was particularly plankish because it was only the day before that he'd come, gone onto Twitter and urged all his fans to, you know, follow the advice, follow the government advice, stay at home, protect the elderly. And, you know, it's, again, it's the hypocrisy that really, truly irks me and I'm sure irks everyone else. That is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, I don't imagine, uh, Steve, that sex workers are, in the government's words, essential. Uh, I, say, I dare say in, in the footballing world, you would describe them as essential. I suppose, yeah, but I mean, if you are going to have a sex party, and I don't know what you've got planned later, don't do it during a time when you're not allowed within two metres of anyone. It very much seems like wasted money if you can't even reach. It really does seem ridiculous, doesn't it? Because I was actually going to uh, nominate at one point, Emily, Wayne Rooney uh, in there until Carl Walker kind of outstripped him, as it were, because Wayne Rooney, also who now writes a column in the Sunday Times, unbelievably, he writes very well, you know, I had no idea how well, uh, he, he, well his command of the English language was so brilliant. But he was writing about how he was basically thinking that the government was getting it all wrong uh, and he thought that it was unfair of Matt Hancock to single out footballers uh, for paying up some of their uh, incredibly high wages to try and actually subsidise the other kids and people in the football world uh, who are being put on furlough. <laughs> I mean, it just shows how arrogant and clueless some of these footballers are. I mean, they get rich, they get so rich so young and they don't have a clue. They really don't. So uh, we're getting near the end of the uh, of the nomination process. Uh, after this, we're going to num- we're going to get them all down to one each rather than rather than the nine that we're about to have. But but Steve, what's your third one? I'm going to go for Waitrose. Okay. Um, again, I think I probably could have ranted. I don't think they've helped all the weeks during the lockdown. We were told to only shop for essentials and eat infrequently as possible. And thanks to Waitrose, we don't know what essential means. Essential range for them includes <laughs> artichoke hearts and uh, vermicelli nests. <laughs> yeah. How essential are they? I've made it to this age without buying any ever. So that's how infrequ- infrequently you need to buy them. Yes. But this week... They hit the news because they told staff that if they self-isolated because a family member showed symptoms, they had to make up the hours, which is, which it was so shocking to hear it. Because imagine you're in that situation. You hear your partner start to cough, and then you worry about them. And then you realize, darn it, I've got to self-isolate with these for 14 days. Great, I'm trapped in the house with someone standing like they're trying to cheat on who wants to be a millionaire. Still, at least I get some time off. No, you don't. You have to make it back. Mm. And I would have thought Waitrose would like the idea of giving money to people that they could waste because that's their business model. No one needs anything from their essentials range. Um, They have reversed the decision. Let's be honest, not because they suddenly had an epiphany and think that's right. They started to get tutted out on social media, and that's the only reason they're doing something right. So that, that's why I think they are like some solid mahogany-level plank. <laughs> yes, they absolutely are. Because this is the trouble, isn't it? You see who the good guys and the bad guys are um, over the course of something like this. We had a go last week at Welcome Break the uh, people that run the motorway service stations, because they're actually still charging lorry drivers who are actually driving stuff that is essential around the country. £28 to park overnight in their service stops, and they have no plans uh, to change that uh, situation. And they've said to we asked them why, and they said, well, we believe we're very competitively priced. But, I mean, when NCP car parks can offer their car parks for free in London, which is actually a really nice thing to do so that NHS workers and key workers can park for, for, for little or no money. You know, these guys are doing uh, just ripping uh, the arse out of it, quite frankly, for no other reason than they want to just try and, try and keep making money. I've also, by the way, never known what to do with artichoke hearts, so I'm like you, Steve. I've never ever bought them. 
well, and then you can wire them up, try and bring them back to life. <laughs> Do you, have, you ever, have you ever cooked uh, artichoke hearts, Emily? I've put them on my pizza before. Have you? Yeah, quite nice. Okay. I thought you would know this, you know, being the uh, cook extraordinaire. Well, well I am, I, I'm, I'm fairly knowledgeable about most things, but artichokes have sort of passed me by somehow, you know. I think I've eaten them in a restaurant, but not in artichoke heart form. I think I've had them on a pizza, but the artichoke hearts look, they look a bit kind of spiky to me. <laughs> I'm not sure you can, what to do. You can just boil it. Well, I'll tell you what, talking of, talking of foraging for food, my, my final nominee um, is a guy called Dr Craig Bennett, and he is a man who apparently is the uh, man who's in charge of the Wildlife Trust, uh, which I'm not particularly familiar with, but I assume it's some outdoors-type organisation. He's taken it upon himself uh, to say to people that, you know, sometimes good things come out of pandemics and sometimes we can change the way that we live. And he says that one of the things he's looking forward to is the reintroduction into the British countryside of bears because uh, clearly there's not enough out there uh, for us to dodge, you know, never mind trying to get uh, around the people trying to stab you, mug you, run you down, hit you with a bicycle. He wants us to have to somehow get around all the bears uh, in Britain as well. I mean, there was a time, I suppose, when uh, when wild animals roamed the forests. I think down in um, in the West Country, there's a few wild boars knocking about, which can do quite quite a lot of harm to a car if, they, if you hit one. But, I mean, I really don't think getting bears involved, um, Steve, is a very good idea, do you? Well, I think it really pulls focus at a time when we're all suffering anxiety because there's a lot of in the news about this coronavirus. I think if we had the fear of bear attack, it gives you something else to think about. <laughs> it really it would make you happy about the fact that you can't get out to go to the shops because it turns out there's a bear out there and no one can remember whether you're meant to either play dead, climb a tree, run towards it or wet yourself. And I'd probably do all of them at the same time. Um, so actually, yeah, let's get some bears back. How much worse can I, this country I, get? I, I must admit, Emily, I've never really bought this idea that if you, if you lie down and pretend to be dead, that the bear will just leave you alone. Surprisingly, I've never tried. I've only seen one bear in my life, and that was in Canada. But I don't really know our history of bears. Did we used to have bears roaming around? I think we probably did, in the same way that we probably had lots of wolves roaming around in Scotland, I think. we And, and there are certainly quite a few big cats still knocking about in the Highlands. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you don't want to get... Uh, in, you don't want to get one sort of getting in the way of you trying to get down to do your weekly shop at Waitrose for your artichoke hearts, <laughs> do you? I'd also say it's probably not a good enough excuse to say we used to have them. They probably also used to be like pterodactyls and other terrifying <laughs> big lizards around here. Yeah, doesn't we'll... mean it's a good reason to get them back. No, that's right. We also used to have the National Front, although I'm not sure if they haven't completely disappeared altogether, but that's another story. Right, so here's the complicated bit now, Steve. You haven't done this before. Emily has. Um, what we now do is we pick one of one of our other person's of, of favourites. So, so basically, if you want to pick which one of Emily's you like best... Emily can pick which one of mine she likes best, and I'll pick which one of yours. So, Emily, why don't you tell Steve what your three are, just to, just to remind him? So, my three were Robert Preston, then we had Kevin Maguire, and then we finished with Carl Walker. OK, there's a pretty strong list there, I have to say. Yeah. That is, I mean, I'm very tempted to go Carl Walker because the idea of sex party at a time when everyone's wearing a mask is very <laughs> eyes wide shut. But, have you never been um, to one of those parties? I'd, well, I'd, who would admit if they had? Um, but, but I'm going to go Peston because, you know, his questions take up... He's on TV more than I am, and that's just when he stretches out a vowel. So, Peston. Yes, I think that's a very, very good call. So my three are for you to pick from, Emily. Uh, we've got um, basically Keir Starmer, um, Catherine Calderwood, uh, or Dr Craig Bennett. 
You know what? I think your followers will be upset if I don't pick Catherine Calderwood. <laughs> yes, I think. I mean, I mean, she is probably the biggest plank of the week. It has to be said. All right. So, so, um, so I'm going to pick yours, Steve. Tell me what your three are. We got everyone who's sunbathing, uh, Waitrose, and Jacinda Ardern. Yes. Do you know what? I think I'm going to go for the sunbathers because I quite like that. That's very topical. Um, I mean, it may be that this is the only week we can do the sunbathers because hopefully they've all learned their lesson now. Or if they go out and do it again, the next time they'll be tasered by the uh, Her Majesty's Constabulary. So, <laughs> so that leaves us with three uh, now, which is sunbathers, Robert Peston uh, and Catherine Calderwood. So now what we have to do is we have to throw one of them out, leaving the final two to be the finalists, as it were. So which of those three, Emily, would you remove? I think I'd have to remove... The sunbathers. Okay. What about you, Steve? Oh, I, I think maybe remove Peston because I have a good feeling he could be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to be the arbiter here, I suppose, and I think because um, everyone in this list will make it into the list, so it will be like a top ten. Um, so whoever leaves this particular group will become number three. So. I'm with you, actually. Maybe we leave Peston out because he, he he will then be three. So then we have the final two, which is Sunbathers versus Catherine Calderwood. So, Emily, what do you think? I think it's got to be Catherine Calderwood. I mean, her hypocrisy is just crazy. And that video that you shared of her in that press conference was just, was just ludicrous, yes. really. So let's go for her. Yeah, I mean, I must say, um, when she did finally resign, even before she resigned, people were sending me tweets going, there's no point in doing Plank of the Week this week. It's just like, <laughs> such a clear winner. Uh, would you Would you go along with that, Steve? Yeah, and for all we know, she probably sunbathed in one of her properties. Almost so certainly. Yeah, go for it. Although, to be fair, she was in Fife, where if you've ever been there, there's not a lot of sun. <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you very much indeed. Uh, fantastic uh, Plank of the Week episode, I would say. And for Catherine Calderwood, the former Chief Medical Officer of Scotland, congratulations. You are this week's Plank. We'll see you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.